So friends, as I said earlier, this is our final week in the Gospel of Luke over these two months in which we've been really honing in on the Gospel of Luke. And you may have noticed over the last couple of weeks, I've been asking you to pay attention to three things in each scripture reading. And so there's a theme when you read these scriptures that are chosen out of the Gospel of Luke, and often it's a theme of three. So this morning, again, pay attention to three things. These three things are three different characters. So in this scripture, there are these three different characters. So listen for how these three different characters, one is the woman, one is Jesus, and one is the synagogue leader. Think about how these three different characters act in this scripture. Here's Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath. And this leader kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, but not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who was bound up for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when Jesus said these things, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd rejoiced at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. So friends, this morning's scripture is quite possibly my favorite scripture from the gospel. And it's a favorite not in a professional way or in a pastor way or a preacher way. It's a favorite in a personal way, in a me-following-God kind of a way in my own life. It's very personal scripture for me. It's one that was with me long before I entered seminary or ministry in any kind of vocational capacity. It's a scripture that gave me hope when I was hopeless, gave me courage when I felt fear, gave me a sense of purpose when I was unsure. When I was growing up, I lived with significant back pain throughout my childhood and my teenage years. It was the kind of pain that would double me over. And the pain came from my spine, which was trying to twist and curve in a body that otherwise wanted to grow straight and tall. And as my spine kept trying to curve, the muscles around it kept crying out in pain. And everything hurt. And it was hard to focus on school or live in any kind of light or joyful way with the pain that was so chronic. And ultimately, this resulted in a need for spine surgery. And so as I approached my 21st birthday, I underwent a nine-hour surgery that ultimately corrected a great deal of what was happening and prevented a lot of pain in the future. But I was scared of that big surgery, as so many of us are before big surgeries. 
And so as I prepared to go under anesthesia, it was this scripture from this morning that I was meditating on, repeating in my mind. It was this scripture that my local church pastor, Tom, read to me. It was this scripture about a girl who is desperately seeking an end to her ailment and a new chance to praise God. I saw that spine surgery as this kind of baptism of sorts, a chance to covenant with God that upon my recovery, I too, like the woman in the story, would stand tall and praise God. And so I did. I recovered from that surgery, and I thanked God, and I praised God, and I went into a life of praising God and remembering my own resurrection from pain and into freedom. I was set free. And I identified, and I still do, so much with that particular biblical figure, this woman in this story, freed by Jesus. And sometimes that's a really effective way to read the Bible. Sometimes it's really helpful to see who we are or are not resonating with in different Bible stories. And so this morning's scripture has these three main characters. And I'm going to invite you to see who it is in this scripture that you are resonating with this morning. Where are you finding yourself? So the first figure again is this woman. And she's living in misery for years until the presence of Jesus results in this change that then sets her free. And then there's this other character who is Jesus himself, who's in this scene, as in others, disregarding the Sabbath laws, disregarding the norms of society and culture in order to perform a healing. And then there's the third figure. There's the naysayers, the ultra to the extreme rule followers, like the indignant leader of the synagogue, chastising Jesus for this Sabbath day healing work. And now all of us, I would venture to say, at various times in our lives, or even perhaps throughout the course of a day, may resonate with one or more of these characters than the others. And so I wonder, where are you landing this morning? Where do you tend to default when you're angry or stressed? Who do you wish you would be like day to day? So let's start by talking about this woman. She represents so many of us who journey through life with an ailment that is really chronic, often unknown and unseen. And in her case, it's her body that's working against her, bending her over for years, preventing her from living in a state of joy and praise. And if the word praise is a little bit unfamiliar to some of us from our own religious or spiritual journey, sometimes you can think about this state of praise that they're talking about as this total attunement with the holy, as a sense of gratitude and living in this state of thanksgiving, this harmonious state. And so this is a person whose life circumstances are essentially keeping her from living in that state of harmony with the spirit. So in what ways might you be like that woman? What's getting in the way for you of praising God, of living in that state of harmony and gratitude with the spirit? And for some of us, it is physical pain. It's our bodies that are blocking our sense of connectedness. But for many others, it's something else, sometimes a habit, a misplaced value, or something else that just gets in the way. The important thing to think about here is that sometimes it's something else that is keeping you bent over, that it's not always coming from inside. Sometimes it's a sin that gets in our way of praising God, 
Maybe it's an undealt with anger management problem or perhaps a lack of cultivating empathy for others that keeps us bent. And just as, other, and just as often as it's societal value that's keeping us bent over instead of praising God, it's also sometimes this kind of wider waters that we swim in. Sometimes it's this wealth obsession value or the keeping up with the Joneses or this independence over interdependence value that keeps us bent over instead of praising God. And other times it's something mental or emotional, something internal that's keeping us bent over. Perhaps it's a sense of unworthiness or depression you just can't shake. These internal thoughts and feelings are as powerful as our body's bones and muscles in their ability to keep us bent over and weighed down instead of praising God. And the point is this. There are just so many different things that can keep us bent over, that can keep us in a state of ailment and bondage when Jesus is inviting us instead to leap up and praise. So what is it in your life that might be weighing you down? Are you perhaps like this young woman today, looking for Jesus to enter in, inviting you into a new state of being? The next character in this morning's scripture is Jesus himself. And in this scripture, Jesus is once again breaking with these social customs and norms. He's breaking with the religious guidelines of the day in order to do what he feels is right in that moment. While the Sabbath is a day in which no one is supposed to work, Jesus draws this imagery and this parallel between the crowd gathered tending to their flocks on the Sabbath day with his own work in healing the young woman. And now, and this is an important metaphor Jesus is pointing out here, as he draws this parallel, this metaphor, it's a nod to his always being our shepherd, our guide, somebody who will go out of the way for us, even when it breaks these social norms and customs. Jesus is willing to take a risk, willing to go against what's expected in order to care lovingly for someone in need. So in what ways might you be called to do the same? In what ways do you think Jesus in this Bible story might be giving you just that little bit of an ounce of courage to go against a norm in your life in order to care lovingly for someone in need? Maybe this means you're going to go sign up to serve with my brother's table next month. Take a Sunday off from your regular routines and norms and do that work of service. Or maybe it means like you're going to, it means perhaps that you're going to pray for someone who is not like you, who you're in conflict with, to pray and send loving kindness their way. That would certainly break from a lot of social norms. So what is it that you might be called to do? What courageous thing can you do now that you know that Jesus is willing to lovingly and courageously care for others? The final type of character in this morning's scripture, so this is character number three, is that of the synagogue leader. And he represents rules and order, laws and customs and norms. He represents all these things that are expected. And Jesus, on the other hand, is this disruptive force. So this is a moment, as we read about this synagogue leader, that we need to note again that this is not an anti-Semitic text. 
And much of the Gospel of Luke, if read casually, can read anti-Semitic. And so it is important to raise up that it is not. We need to remember that the leader in this story is representing this very specific function in the story, the valuing of law over compassion. And it is not meant to be this condemnation of Judaism or Jewish religious leaders. So at different times, we're like this synagogue leader, right? We are like this leader who is more concerned with the rules and ways we've always done it and the technicalities than with any kind of radical grace or love or hospitality or connection. And we've all been like this. And what I find is that oftentimes, at least myself, but some of us get more and more like this, more and more interested in rules than compassion when we are stressed out and operating from a scarcity mindset. When we are thinking, there's not enough for everybody, instead of there's more than enough. That's when we so often, as humans, have a way of becoming like this synagogue leader. So where in your life do you think you might be operating like this synagogue leader a little too much? More concerned with norms and rules and technicalities than with radical love and grace. For some, this has to do with what's happening at the border, that the technicalities of border crossing being more important than the distribution of flu shots to detain children. For others, this has to do with what we value in terms of environmental care. Do we value technicalities or do we value some radical action that can save the planet? So where is it in your life? on the macro scale, on the micro scale, in your interpersonal relationships, where is it that you might be getting a little more concerned with technicalities and norms and rules than with living out of a operational mode of grace and love? This morning's scripture, it is an invitation. It's an invitation for you to consider how you might be operating as one of these characters in any given place in your life. It's an opportunity for you to think about what is keeping you bent over and unable to praise God. And it's an opportunity for you to invite God into that part of your life. It's an invitation for you to think about how you might be like Jesus, just a little bit more radically loving and compassionate and grace-filled, bold and risk-taking in your desire to be full of love. How might you be more like that? in some parts of your life. And finally, this scripture is this final invitation for you to think about how you might be acting as a synagogue leader in some parts of your life. Becoming aware of those parts and thinking about how you might release those norms and technicalities that get in the way of your compassion in order to be more loving. Amen.